It's the Audition Helper Podcast with special guest, Kara Young. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Audition Helper Podcast. I'm your host, Ken Kesar. Uh, it's so nice to have you with us. Thanks again for joining me. Today we have none other than fabulous actress Kara Young with us. I saw Kara in a play just before the COVID quarantine started. It was a play at MCC called All the Natalie Portmans. It's by C.A. Johnson, and the play was just spectacular. It was all about a young black teenage woman who idolizes Natalie Portman, and Natalie Portman sort of shows up in the play um, in various characters that she's played throughout her career, and she's kind of like an imaginary character for the character that Kara played. The play was just sensational. If you run a theater company, get your hands on this script called All the Natalie Portmans by C.A. Johnson and uh, and do it. You're, you're going to love this play. It's really, really great. And Kara was just amazing in it. And after I saw her in that, I sort of looked up her television work and her film work and uh, just fell in love with all of her work. So I think she's wonderful. She's got some great insights about the industry. And I am so excited to share that with you today. The world is opening up, ladies and gentlemen. What can I tell you? Broadway's coming back in September. And of course, at the Bristol Riverside Theater here in Bucks County, Pennsylvania, we are opening up our summer concert series. It's the William Penn Bank Summer Music Fest. And here's how it kicks off. We're starting with take six, which is the first act this summer. Then after that, we have a concert called Broadway Memories, which is a sort of review of Broadway songs from the golden era of Broadway. After that, we have a great concert called Totally Awesome 80s, which is a sort of a tip of the hat to the 80s and all the wonderful 80s music, or maybe not so wonderful 80s music, depending on whose side you're on, but uh, sort of songs that we remember well, that we either love or that make us cringe. Either way, it's really, really fun. At the end of July, we have a wonderful 70s cover band called 70s Flashback. They're a great act. And then in August, we have another Broadway review called Broadway Ahead, this time featuring the songs of Broadway musicals that had to shut down during COVID. And then at the very end of the summer, at the end of August, we have a wonderful doo-wop band called The Doo-Wop Project. They're incredible. They sing doo-wop music who doesn't love doo-wop music it's going to be an incredible summer and it's all outdoors at this amphitheater in bristol township you can bring your own food and picnic there'll be food trucks you can buy food there you can lay out a blanket you could sit in a lawn chair you can kick off your shoes eat some good food and listen to some wonderful music it's 
It's going to be an incredible summer, and it all kicks off June 18th. Um, so come on out, go to brtstage.org, take a look at the offerings, get your tickets, and we'll see you this summer. I will be there at most of the concerts. So if you do come, say hello to me and, uh, let me know that you, you heard about it through this podcast. Okay. So without further ado, I give you the great Kara Young. She's funny. She's got a great attitude. She's very smart about her career. She gives great advice. I think you'll really enjoy hearing from her. So here it is, my interview with Kara Young. Enjoy. I loved you in All the Natalie Portmans. It was the last piece of theater I saw before we all shut down. So like literally I saw it a week before the shutdown. Wow. And I was in the front row. Oh, oh, wow. I didn't know what to expect. I was like, all the Natalie Portmans, what a weird title of a play. Okay, let's check this out. Let's see what goes on here. And then I was like, just delighted by it. I thought it was just great. Wow, (laughs) I'm so happy you got to see that. So how, how did that project find its way to you? How did you get involved in the workshops? Honestly, the Lark. I don't know if you know about the Lark, Ken. Yep. Mm-hmm. They asked me to come in and read the play. And I was, at the time, I was doing, um, I was doing Sinking Ink uh, at the Fleet. And a friend of mine had passed away the day before. It was very, it was a very shocking passing. This person in my life was very adamant about me pushing myself. So I, like, I was like, I got to do all the things I, I committed to doing the thing so i have to do the thing and when i showed up that day i felt like it was a gift from him i swear i know i'm saying that it's all spiritual but i felt like it was a gift from him and i just was like wow this is all of my fantasies on paper it's like all of my feelings on paper it's everything that i've it was just a lot it was like a lot of kismic spiritual stuff that's awesome. So like when you say um, you were committed to doing all the things, what, what does that mean? What are all the things? The readings and the, so I guess I'm very happy with the decision that I was just, I don't want to say overextending myself because I thoroughly enjoyed every moment of every single day in New York City, going from audition to audition, rehearsal to rehearsal, you know, doing a show at night. You know, if I wasn't in a show or if I wasn't in rehearsal, I would make sure that my day was filled with doing a reading, reading a play, going to a reading, going to a show. I believe of being an artist in this in New York is about stretching yourself, you know, stretching yourself and making sure that you're watching other people's work, making sure that you're supporting your fellow actors. So my 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 world was like that. Going to a workshop, then doing a show, or you know, doing rehearsal and then doing a show. Like I had literally gone from halfway bitches go straight to heaven, closing that on the fifth, starting the rehearsals for all the Natalie Portmans on the sixth. From before that, the last week of doing the New Englanders at MTC. I started rehearsals for Halfway Bitches. So I had no I had no break in between. I did like literally the back to back to back to back to back with like literally like the way the dates lined up was insane and I got to do all of those plays. 
but the way that I had been doing this whole theater world, like underground theater situation, making sure that I was working at all times, the minute that I quit my jobs, it was just as if like the universe just was like, here, you need to show up. And I had been booked in theater and readings and workshops the minute that I quit my job. I just like literally kept on working. That's awesome. Yeah, I cannot, I mean, and I'm grateful for it. And that nurtured me in a way that like, was just watering my plant. It was always for this greater cause. So it never felt like, oh, like, I just want to work, you know, but it was like, I'm working and it's about something. It's about humanity. It's about, it's about black humanity. It's about, so, yeah. And so what, do you think that, was there something in you that was inclined to, to say no to any of these projects? Did it take discipline to say yes to all of them? Oh my God. I feel like I'm just starting to say no. It's so difficult for me to say no to someone right. who wants me to read their play. It's just like, of course I want to be a, 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 a vessel for your play. Like, of course I want to read your words. Of course I want to right. be of service to you in your story. Like, I'm sure. Well, that's good to know. I'm a playwright myself, so it's nice to hear actors talking like that and, and giving so much respect to, to the work that playwrights do. Oh, man, I love y'all so much. It's so crazy. <laughs> It's stupid how much I love y'all. It's stupid. Like, I'm obsessed with writers. I think they are the world. I think storytelling is the thing that's, that's going to change the world. Yeah, I know that's that. awesome. That's awesome. What were that. the jobs that you quit uh, before all the work started pouring in? Oh, my God. Ten. <laughs> so, uh, I used to work at an agency for years. I was a part-time assistant that was sometimes a full-time assistant, but mostly part-time. And at a certain point, I had to keep it that way. I tried to leave this job a million times, like over the course of years. And I guess I just have a problem with like, no, yeah. I'm leaving. Like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Um, but yeah, I stayed there for a long time. And then I was also the brunch person at a restaurant, uh, I also did like the million odd jobs, like babysitting, and uh-huh. I was a host at a cigar bar. I was, I, I mean, can you name it? I did it. I really did. And I was like juggling all of those things on top of being an actor. I was juggling everything. I was working at the office and I was doing the, doing the brunch on the weekends. I mean, I helped my friend open that restaurant, you know like five jobs at once and running to, you know, a black box theater in Brooklyn <laughs> with that mosquito infested, like, like all of the, all of the things. Like I, like I, it was a lot at one point. I remember being very tired. Yeah. It takes a lot of energy. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny. I, I've often, I like to uh, smoke cigars when I write. So I often frequent the cigar barns in New York. Which one did you work at? I worked at the Carnegie Club. Oh, nice. I had actually met a friend of mine, a friend of mine who's now a casting director, and she was an actress, and she was sort of like, I don't know what I want to do. And I'm like, girl, you? She's like, she's like, I, I, I just got an internship at this casting office. I was like, that's, that's it for you. Like, that's, you, these certain people just have, like, a casting vibe. You're like, you're a casting director. Um, so now I have like a lifelong friend who happens to be, 
you know, we kismet, kismetly met there at the Carnegie Club, but the Carnegie Club was a fabulous place. Incredible energies, incredible people, such life lessons working there, working as a hostess there, dealing with all kinds of folk, but... That's awesome. I, I'd never been to that one. That sounds like a, a, a fancy one. It was fancy, but it wasn't that fancy. It was a, it was an illusion, Ken. All an illusion. <laughs> yeah. Let me ask you this. When you worked at the agency, was that an agency for actors? Yes, it was. Yes, it was, Ken. Is that a good job for actors? Do you think that that agency had a hard time seeing you as an actor? Oh, yeah. When you were working there? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean... Not to get into such detail about it, because I still respect these people and I love them. You know, they, they, yeah. I, I actually I learned a lot about the business working there. It was very difficult for them to see me as an actor because eventually I became a client. Eventually I became a commercial mm. client, a voiceover client, a theatrical client. And they saw me as an intern. I mean, I started out as an intern. I hung around a little too long. You know, they were like, Kara, do you uh, want this full time position? I was like, no, I'm an actor can't do that but I'm here because I am trying to just stretch like my time going to school I finished school and I was like I'm just gonna work I'm just gonna work with y'all and work my odd jobs and do what I want to do you know do what I do soak up what I can here the and I used to float around so I was like in the theatrical department I was in the voiceover department I started out in the voiceover department I went to the commercial department I went to uh, children's commercial department. I went to, I was just floating, floating, floating. If anybody needed me, I was like their full time, like their fill in assistant, you know? I kept on like hitting a hard wall with the agency, specifically when I became a client. And I was like, why am I fighting for auditions? You know, I'd be like, why am I not on that list? I just remember this one particular moment where it was a commercial audition. Commercial auditions are so challenging to book. Um, so kudos to commercial actors for real. I fought for this audition, Ken. I got the audition. I got a call back. And if I got a call back, that means I can book the job, period. If you got a call back, it's because the casting director believes that you can book the job and they want to give you a chance to show, to show the producers, directors why you can book the job. It gives you an, another door to be like, yo, look at me, right? I was so challenged because I was like, this can't ever happen again. You're obviously putting me in another category than you are your other clients. And I've signed papers to say that I'm a client. Um, oh. But it taught me a lesson about the way people can see you and perceive you in this industry. Like, So we do one mm -hmm. thing and it happens to be like that. So even them seeing me as an intern, it was like, oh, yeah, we can submit her for like Office Depot. Like we could, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like it was yeah. just a very like people are very clinical in the industry. They're very clinical about actors. They're very clinical about where you what you can do, how you can stretch your wings. And I knew from a very mo from that very moment working at the agency, it taught me like, oh, I have to get better. My tools have to be always on point mm -hmm. because. I'm not a model. I'm not tall. Mm -hmm. I'm not uh, the 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 Euro standard of beauty. My 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 beauty standards are not celebrated in a, in a, in an industry that focuses itself on not only whiteness but but just beauty. I'm a petite black woman. 
And so I know, I knew that I had to be on point with my craft. Sure. But I think it's really the industry too of like, this is all we see. Um, but I think that's changing though now, Ken. I think it's all, everything is kind of changing or, or hopefully it's changing the way that we tell stories, you know, showing more, you know, multiracial uh, storylines, you know, with, with, with cultural mashups, you know, in, you know, in, in the ether, because that's really the way that we're going to push narratives forward. Totally. You know, breaking stereotypes. Yeah. Um, because it worked for too long and it's not working no more. Amen to that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So ultimately working at an agency as an actor, do you think it sped up your career or slowed it down? I don't think about that in particular. Like, it's very easy for me to be like, man, if I didn't work at that agency, then maybe I'd be in a different place. And I really think that everything that has happened thus far has mm -hmm. been on purpose. You know, I wanted to leave at so many different points, but at the same time, God has different plans yeah. for me, you know? And um, for me to be at that agency for so long and not leave... You know, when I wanted to, it was because I needed to receive something that I got. I needed to feel what it was like to be like, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> for real. You know, I needed to find strength. That that was more armor for me. That was more armor in the industry. It is a very challenging industry. And you have to have a certain armor. I feel like the people that I've worked for... The women mm. that I've worked for, I respect those people so much. I respect what they do so much. I respect the industry so much. I mean, literary folks in the industry are my day ones. And I'm going to tell you why. They used to come to every reading because they're, they're almost scouting mm -hmm. new playwrights. So I was like buddy-buddy with the assistants of literary agents for so long and I wouldn't see them everywhere. And I understand, like, I just respect the hustle so hardcore. I respect it so much. So I think that I've soaked up what I needed to soak up and then it was time for me to move on. And I don't think it slowed anything down or sped anything up. I think that there's education and experience. And I'm happy yeah. that I had that. It seems like what the thing that actors have to do to be successful is to make peace with the hustle. Yo, make peace with the hustle. Ooh, that's a word, Ken. <laughs> yeah. Because I spent a lot of time in my early 20s, I think, just angry that the hustle exists. And I think that was short-sighted of me. I think what I needed to do was to go, yeah, it's a game. It's a hustle. Let's get to it. And I, and I, yeah, I think that is so, ooh, that's good. I'm writing this down. <laughs> that is so good. Have peace with the hustle. Yeah. That's cool. a word. <laughs> that's a word to share. You All need right. to put that in a book. Um, Cause that's really good. It really is that. It really is that. This is a never ending game. I mean, and I don't even know if it's a game. It's like your life, right? It's like you constantly have to just yeah. bet on yourself. And as you continue to sharpen your tools, because it's never ending sharpening, right? It's never ending, I need to work. I need to get better. If I can't get paid, I need to get better. That was my mode of thinking, right? Because a lot of the jobs that I had taken, 
throughout, you know, working at the agency as an actor, you know, if I wasn't booking a voiceover or booking a, a, you know, girl code on MTV, I was sort of like doing readings that were not paid or, you know, $10 here, whatever. Like I, I wasn't getting paid for a very long time. Um, and that was part of my hustle as well. Those same people that I didn't get paid from years later, not even knowing what I was doing, like those same people are working too. And in five years, they're going to do what they're doing too. And those people in five years hired me. You know what I'm saying? Have peace with the hustle. I love it. I'm glad you like that. That's cool. I love that so much. (laughs) That's cool. So when you say like um, you were... um, working in underground theater and, and constantly doing what you were, constantly making sure you were constantly working. What did that look like? Just accepting readings and doing things like that? What did that look like? It looked like mosquito infested basements <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and uh, you know, hop in the metro. Um, it looked like hoping that they're going to provide a meal for this reading because you didn't eat. Um, it looked like going to the Goodwill so you can get um, overalls for your reading because you're playing a 12 year old. Um, it looked like running from place to place. It looked like it was a lot and I'm grateful I have it in my system that I did it because it was, um, definitely sacrificial, you know, it's definitely like, oh, I'm sacrificing pride in this moment because, or I'm sacrificing a meal or I'm sacrificing a meal for a costume. Like for me, like this is the crazy part. Like for me, I'm like, yo, I need a costume in the reading, not sushi. <laughs> you know, like, and it's like, if I don't know what, you know, I'm like, you know, maybe they'll just have cheese and crackers there. Mm. Like, okay. Or like, you know, um, you know, you just happen to be in a place where like, Oh my God, they ordered pizza. Like I, that's like been a real thing on so many, so many occasions. It's like, I didn't eat today. Oh my God. I, how am I going to eat? Like I only have $3. Like I need to get back uptown. It's like, Oh my God, they ordered a pizza. Thank you, God. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. I mean, it's just incredible drive, determination, strength, you know, and it seems like it's what actors need to, to succeed. And, you know, and and some like I know I have so many friends who like just like were tired of it and and just got a job and then that was and then they and then they kind of dropped out and they stopped going auditions and slowly slowly it sort of phased them out but it it sounds like it takes a special person to not go that route and to like just push forward until you know until you hit something it would be lovely to hit something you know but and I don't even know if it's a but it's like a yes and I love to tell stories. Mm -hmm. I love to be a part of a process of storytelling. I love to get deeper into, you know, shedding the whys of the moment because I feel like our stories are so important, especially black stories. For me, you know, for me as for me, Kara Young, I feel that way because this is my vessel and this is what I'm working with. That to me was my focus when traveling to Brooklyn to do a play in a mosquito infested basement <laughs> and that it smelled like mold. So they had to light incense. Like my thing was like, I am telling a story tonight. It's important. Yeah. The vibration is important. 
I don't care if three people show up. Those three people have three more people and those three people have 10 people. Like, I don't care. That is, that is the focus. So like, you know, in the beginning, there was a lot of why me, why not me? Mm -hmm. You know, I'm pretty sure like I had, had moments of ego stricken where I felt like I knew everything and I'm a very imperfect person. And I know I've gotten through many stages of the knowing and the not knowing. And I've come to the realization that I don't know a damn thing. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know a damn thing. And honestly, starting from there is very, very liberating. Um, In the very beginning, I wanted something that was very superficial. Um, and And then I realized being in a very superficial world that I understood that my existence needed to be of greater importance to myself, sure, not to the world, to me. And that was being, turning myself over to the storytelling of everything and really kind of going back to my roots yeah. as a young performer. So let me ask you, when you, when, when you got into the reading for all the Natalie Portmans at the Lark, had you submitted your stuff to the Lark and said, hey, if you have any readings, get in touch with me? Or how, how did that get hooked up at first? No, like, yo, it doesn't, it's like such a weird thing, the way, the way, the way this thing moves, you know, like every actor is different. Like literally every actor has their own path. I had done a few readings at the Lark prior Mm. and I have re I had also been introduced to Jeff Augustine, um, who wrote the New Englanders that eventually went up at MTC that I met at the Lark. That was another play that I workshopped for years before it got production. Mm-hmm. Um, I fell in love with Issa. I fell in love with that character. I understood her so well. And it was um, directed at MTC by Sahim Ali, who I love. Mm-hmm. I love him so much. Um, I think it was like, I think it became a word of mouth thing, yo. Kara's right, Kara's right for this role. Like, let, let's have her read it. You mm-hmm. know, I just was like, I just gave over to the page. It was just so magical. It was like those words like jumped at me and like attacked my spirit. Like, it was just like, uh, oh my God. Uh. That's <laughs> it was like, uh. And when I, when I met Kate Wariski, Kate really opened my brain to a lot and introduced me to like a new way of approaching the work from a director's perspective. But when I met her, I was like, yeah, yes, yes, yes. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Wow. (laughs) I just remember being at the table like, who are you and where did you come from? Yeah, she's impressive. I mean, I, I think I, I love her work. She did Ruin to Lynn Nottage's play. And, and I mean, she's just really incredible. Here's what I wanted to ask you about all the Natalie Portmans. I, you know, yeah. it was a surprising, it was a surprising play to me because, you know, if I think about a young black teenager, it wouldn't be obvious to me that that person would idolize someone like Natalie Portman. And that kind of surprised me and and it was so believable. So what was your response to that? Did that ring true to you? And and what was that all about? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. It rang so true to me, Ken. It rang so true to me because, so so specific, so Kiana, ooh, to say her name just was like, whoa. Uh, (laughs) Kiana and myself, Grew up with a television, escaped, practiced escapism, 
via what we were watching. I was obsessed with Zach Morris from Saved by the Bell. (laughs) And here's this queer girl. And also, I was very obsessed with just whiteness. Mm. I was very upset. And not knowing that, like that, not calling it that, right? Today, today, I'm calling it that. But when it was happening, I had no idea what it was. It was just, this is a star or these are stars that I love and respect and worship. I want to see everything Britney Spears does. I want to see everything NSYNC does. I want to see everything Zach Morris does. I want to see everything that, like, it just becomes. And then the way that the media, and this is why I believe storytelling is so important and that Black writers and writers of color are so important to the ether of storytelling, specifically in multimedia, big media, TV, film, because the things that we receive as young people are kind of embedded in our subconscious. And if we're watching The Little Mermaid when we're six years old, Mm -hmm. you know, our subconscious forms by the time we're about seven, six, seven, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And that in our formative years. And so that is sort of the basis, the foundation for our life. You're talking about the push of Britney Spears, the push of NSYNC, the push of Natalie Portman. It's like an oversaturation of whiteness. And it's always been that way. Mm-hmm. There's so many other stories. There's so many stories that we'd never get to see the light of day because the money wasn't behind it. The advertisement wasn't behind it. When you ask me, like, it's very striking that Natalie Portman was somebody that a black woman, it is a lot like that for a lot of young black people all over the nation. Mm. And it's surprising that it's in an urban community that she is finding her way, get, you know, stealing magazines and, you know, cutting out like it, that she's finding a way to consume the whiteness that is being fed to her. Mm-hmm. When Kiana realizes that she's a young queer black girl in in a in a poverty stricken world and has to grow up fast and she has to leave Natalie behind because that's not the thing that's going to serve her anymore. Oh yeah, it's so profound to me. It's like speaking to my soul. It's like when are you going to leave Zach Morris behind? It's like. It's like, you know, like there's a reason why we, I don't know, like we, we hold on to things. I don't know. This is a long ass conversation, Ken. But I'm just saying, like, <laughs> I can talk for hours. You gotta talk. You gotta stop me. I be talking too much. The way of the world has has shoved, has shoved a certain kind of narrative down our throats, mm-hmm. and that is all the na- that is Natalie Portman. That is Natalie Portman, Gwyneth Paltrow, Anne Hathaway. Uh, like, like, could, should we continue? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's it's Elizabeth Taylor. It's it's it goes back. It's the same kind of Hollywood machine mm-hmm. that has been given to us, and we consume it at great in copious amounts. Yeah, that's interesting, and 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 I hadn't thought of it that way. I mean, to me, it was just a a, a young girl who was obsessed with Natalie Portman. But in hearing you talk about it, it sounds like it's a real comment on the media that is sold to young, you know, black youth and, and the, the, what they, what they 
inadvertently ask black youth to sort of look up to and try to be like and all of that. And, and it's kind of a it's kind of a criticism of sorts. Yes. And it's also like you can't be us. Mm. You can't be us. You cannot be this perfect. You know, this is beauty. You can't be this beauty. Mm. You're not this kind of beauty. You know how many people have told me that in my life? Really? Yes. I remember doing this this reading and this guy was like, so you're short, you're black, you're a woman. The world is against you. Mm. And that was a white, it was a white man. I remember this white woman telling me that they're looking for young Disney people. It's too, it's too late for you. And this is when I was so young. Like it just didn't make any sense. Like. I, I've just had people, for lack of a better word, shit on the movement, you know, shit on my movement, mm. like as just the, like not even understanding the kind of stories that I want to tell and the kind of artist that I am. I do feel like all of those comments are the are a lot of fuel in my in my machine. Well, well, I'm glad it drove you forward. You're really clearly very strong because if if it was me and people had talked to me that way, I think that would would have been enough to shut me down forever. And I, um, I kind of stayed away from people when I was young because I was afraid they'd say something like that to me. Because I was afraid that if I heard that out loud to my face, that I wouldn't be able to get back f- up from it. There was times when I and when it did hit me a certain kind of way. Yeah. You know the things that I heard. Did did make me feel inadequate. I had to see a lot of darkness before I saw light. Sure. And so let me ask you: I've never ma- met Kate Horisky. What was it like to have a white director d- directing that that black story? Kate understood socioeconomics in a way that was about breaking down moment to moment, being in poverty. The way Kate immerses herself in the work, she fully encapsulates a vibration in a moment, in between a line, on a word. She broke down moments like very meticulously, unlike anybody I had ever worked with. Mm. Um, I really dig her. And I think she's just like one of my people. Sure, This was an open space for artists to have a discussion about the the nature of black world like this was this was this was an open invitation for all the people in the room to share their truth and to dig deeper you know kate rariski happened to be the director but she never used her whiteness as as a weapon she's just a very open generous incredible genius artist i spent a lot of time talking about you kate but you know (laughs) (laughs) i love her very much yeah, well, she's incredible. I mean, I've seen several of her pl- of her productions, and they always blow me away. So clearly, she's doing something right in the room, and I, I can see she had a huge impact on you. So that's that's cool to hear uh, about her from an actor's perspective. That's awesome. It's about the work, you know. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, it's about the work, and I think that that's what a lot of people miss when these conversations are in place, yeah. like in, in regards to race, which I feel like is a very important conversation. Don't get me wrong, and it needs to happen, and it always needs to happen. I wanted to get your t- your film and TV work, I had a chance to take a look at some of the film and TV you did. Talk to me about uh, uh, Chemical Hearts. Yeah, I love that movie. That was a fun piece of work, and you were so much fun in it. Oh, bless your heart, Ken. Thank you so much. I love yeah, that girl yeah. so much. I think she is just so... La is just so full of life. She's just like an unapologetically black, queer, 
magical vibration, like totally a part of the fairy kingdom. Just an artist, like a true artist. Like she's radical. She's going to change the world, yo. That's how, that's what, that's what her vibe was. I was like, she's going to change the world and nothing's going to stop her. Like she's going to probably an HBCU and, and if she doesn't go into a, go to an HBCU, she's going to start like a, a, a BSU in, in, in the school that she's going to. And she's going to be one of like the leaders of tomorrow. And her love for the main character, the guy mm-hmm. was so evident to me. And you kind of wore your heart out on your sleeve. So you like, you gave him so much friendship uh, openly, but you also made it very clear what you need and expect from him back as a friend, which Mm. really struck me. I love that. You saw that. When he says he won't go to the party with you, you're like, are you kidding me? It was like that scene where you were like, you know, making sure he knew that he was, he was letting you down. Right. Right. I'm so happy you enjoyed it. I almost like, I, 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 felt like a lot of adults really really dug dug the film in a way because it because it showed how much how painful it was to be a teenager <laughs> yeah yeah it really does yeah did you grow up I, I know you were you're um you were born in Harlem did you grow up there too yeah I was born and raised in Harlem um I went to school in uh elementary school and high school in Spanish Harlem I'm like a proper Harlem I I, I literally was born three blocks away from where I live currently and my parents live 21 blocks south in the same place that I grew up in. And, and are your parents still around? My parents are still around. My parents are still here. And they, do they root you on and cheer you on? Are they, are they supportive of your career choice? They are. I mean, I'm so fortunate and so blessed to have parents who are so supportive. You know, I remember when I booked Chemical Hearts, I was like, I was like, my father works at, at the Rainbow Room. My father is a, is, is, has been in the hospitality industry for like 40 plus years. Um, he's like an OG of restaurants. But he, cool. but, uh, so I have mad respect. I have mad respect for servers. My father's a top server, but my father's a server. You know what I'm saying? I have mad respect for people yeah. in the hospitality industry. Every single person from front of house to back of house. Um, anyway, I said, I was like, don't get out the car. I have something to tell y'all. Like, I booked a movie and they were like, okay. <laughs> I'm like, what? Nobody's, nobody's happy. Nobody like, nobody wants to celebrate me. Like what's happening. Right. And like all just, I just need attention. I just need so much attention. But they were like, Kara, like that's what you're supposed to do. That's yeah. what you said you were going to do. Right. Like what's, what's the big deal. So what's the big deal? This is what's supposed to happen. How did that make you feel? Did you feel like you were just being treated like it was par for the course and that the victory wasn't being celebrated? Yeah, and then I guess I, in the moment, I felt like, I was like, like, oh my God, like, y'all really don't care about me, like, you know, that kind of thing. But at the same time, like, my parents had wanted me to go into so many other things prior me to me being like, no, I'm sticking this out. You know, like, when I quit my jobs, it was like a big deal, because it was like, Kara, are you gonna go back to school? Like, what are you doing? And I'm like, no, I'm doing this. Like I'm either gonna mm. fall on my face doing it, but I have to figure I have to figure it out. But they like wanted me to go to radiology school. There was like a program at Columbia that was like gonna be two years, and then I mean there were just so many of these programs. Like oh, you should go to school for speech, you know, speech pathology. Like you should be doing this, you should be doing that. I'm an actor, y'all. Like what? What don't you understand? <laughs> but at the same time, like they supported me in the sense is like if you say that you're gonna do something, do it. 
you know, I'm first generation American and I, and I know that like my parents and my grandparents and even my great grandmother who's still alive in LA, she's 103 years old. They came here. They're like, they're like, like work, work is the most important thing. Like my father worked triples, Mm -hmm. you know, I get it. It's just not something that is necessarily celebrated. Like they, they Mm sell, they celebrate, they celebrate certain accomplishments in my life but booking booking and working is not one of them mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because that's yeah. just what's supposed I, to happen <laughs> you don't get patted on the back for doing your work Mm-mm. um where did your family immigrate from they're okay. from belize they've known each other nice. since they were kids my father came here when he was 14 my mom came here when she was 19 for love they have a very beautiful love story <laughs> they're so cute <laughs> they're yeah. still in love awesome. they're still in love they're kind of like the parents of that of the dude in the in the chemical heart. Yeah, he's like, you guys are just perfect. <laughs> he's like, you guys have no problems. So let me ask you: when you read a script, when 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 a script comes to you and you think, okay, should I do this or not? Do you ever think about like your parents watching it and wondering if it's something you want your parents to see you do or not? Oh my god, all <laughs> the time, all the time, and I'm you know. There was one time I like I went out for a TV show. There was like you know the question was like full not full frontal nudity but like back nudity and like butt and like all these things and I like had to call my dad immediately. I was like, Dad, I'm okay with it, but are y'all gonna be okay with it? But like you know these are the things that you kind of have to put in perspective or whatever. But I do seek out their approval, which is something I have to get over. So what um what projects either have you done that you're really excited about that you love, or or what projects do you have coming up that you're really excited about? Issa Davis's Bull Rusher was one of the most magical experiences that I've had on Zoom. <laughs> I still have revelations till this day from from bull rusher from that character i just recently read a script that i'm very excited about i don't have the job yet but i just am so obsessed with this script and are you committed to staying in new york or do you think you'll ever move out to la i'm very committed to being in new york but i think it might be a little different now now that we're shifting our POV about what it means to be where we are. I needed to be here for all of these years. Uh, I needed yeah. to be walking down the street and going to auditions and going to ver- my readings and doing this and doing that and get hopping on the train and going two stops up and, you know, making this voiceover audition, doing that. Like, I needed to do all that. I needed to be a part of that. And I know film and TV pays so much better than theater. Do you think you'll always make time for theater projects? Or could you see yourself dropping out of the theater and staying within the world of film and TV? That is really a good question. I love theater so much. It's my foundation. It's what I started with. Um, I don't necessarily know if it's either or or. But I feel like I can do it all. I can. I feel like yeah, I can do both. Yeah. And I feel like I'd love to give film and TV the space that I haven't given uh, it. Um, yeah. The space that I have given theater is is a lot of myself. I would love to mm-hmm. give that same space over to film and television at one point. Um, but the theater will never leave me. And there's nothing like mm-hmm. live theater. 
Well, what I love about theater in New York is you can go to a theater as small as MCC, sit in the front row and be so close to your work and watch you work. That's just a gift to be able to see acting that close up and that sort of, you know, it's so different than being in a big Broadway house or, or even on television. It's just, it's electric when the person is standing just feet in front of you and you get to watch that work so close up. Yeah. And I, 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 it thrills me every time when I see actors as good as you doing oh it. Oh my God, thank you so much. <laughs> I mean, acting is, for me, is like one of the greatest things. When an actor is good, there's very little that's better. <laughs> wow. Thank you, Ken. Yeah. Thank yeah, you so yeah, much. Yeah. I mean, I love that you said that to me and thank you for sharing that with me because I know what I, I know that I was born to do this, you know, but at times it can be a little disheartening. I can't wait to continue watching as your career unfolds and sort of following your work because each time I know it'll be interesting and dynamic and I can't wait to see what else you do. It's going to be great. Thank you. Thank you so much for talking to me today. Oh, Ken, I'm so grateful to you. I usually get very, very shy during interviews. You know, I, I have declarations of defeat, you know, at times. And so mm. I, I question myself a lot. Um, it's like it's something that I'm working on. And I was very free with you. You created a very safe space for me to just be free. So I'm very, very grateful for that. Cool. I'm glad to hear that. Thank you so much. It's a great compliment. So thank you. Great talking with you. Good to talk with you too, Ken. Bye-bye. Have a good one. Yes, sir. There it was. Kara Young. Isn't she incredible? She's funny. She's smart. Have peace with the hustle. It's all a game, this show business stuff, right? It's all a game. We have to hustle. We have to meet people. We have to work it, work it, work it. That's the only way we get anywhere. And people who know that seem to get somewhere. And people who resist that, they have a harder time. And maybe they have more of a chip on their shoulder. But I think that Kara agrees and I agree. You got to make peace with the hustle, understand that in show business it's all a game and uh, get your hands dirty, get in there and play the game and get those parts. That's all you can do. I hope you enjoyed the interview. Folks, again, the William Penn Bank Summer Music Fest starts next weekend, June 18th, and runs all summer long. I hope you'll come out and check it out. It's, um, it's going to be a great summer. Um, Great concerts. Go to brtstage.org, get your tickets, and I hope to see you there. On my next episode, I'm going to be talking to um, actor Jeremy Seamus. Jeremy has been on Broadway, um, and he's been in numerous plays off-Broadway, but you may know him most from um, the recent movie with Chadwick Boseman, um, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, which he's incredible in that. He's he's the white music producer that works with the band and uh, and Ma Rainey, and he's just incredible in that. But uh, it is not the first time I saw him. I've seen him on stage, off-Broadway and on-Broadway, in numerous plays. He is wonderful and just great to talk to. So join us next time um, with Jeremy Seamus, and you'll enjoy that interview. All right. Thank you so much for joining us. Once again, I want to thank my good friend Nate Beversluice for his fabulous theme music. Thank you so much for joining us. 
and we will talk to you very soon. So stay healthy, stay well, and now that we're open again, go out there and get your dream job. There's no excuse. Okay? Talk to you next time.